All right, we're joined today by Renard Bridgewater, Community Engagement Coordinator of Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans and ION Surveillance member. Renard, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here and thankful for the opportunity. So just to get started, uh, could you just talk a little bit about ION Surveillance and how long you've been organizing and a little bit about what you do? So ION Surveillance originally um, came out of the organizing work of Peace by Peace NOLA, which is a community-based organization uh, mainly situated in the Holly Grove Dixon area of the city. Um, you know, earlier on in the, you know, during the mayor, uh, Mayor Mitch Landrew's administration back in 2017, as we all know, there was a, a, a system of crime cameras that were put up during that time period. Uh, in addition to the establishment of the real-time crime center downtown where all of the footage feeds from those cameras, um, you know, throughout the city. Um, piece by piece, NOLA did a lot of work, mainly just crowdsourcing the location of those crime cameras throughout the city, um, you know, with community members, right, in that Holly Grove Dixon area to be able to mainly create a map of those crime cameras. Out of that work came ION Surveillance Coalition. Um, we met uh, with members of the Real-Time Crime Center and the Office of um, emergency preparedness um, and homeland security in March of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And out of that meeting, you know, just kind of like really seeing what goes on inside of the Real Time Crime Center prompted mm -hmm. um, other organizations, in addition to piece by piece, to continue that work um, of, you know, ultimately looking to halt the expansion of surveillance technology throughout the city. So, you know, we started meeting shortly uh, after that tour of the Real-Time Crime Center. And then from there, um, that work has um, formalized into this, um, this ordinance that we're looking, you know, to get passed next week. And what has the, has the amount of cameras around New Orleans grown much in, that, in the time since then? Or was there sort of the initial push and then it stayed kind of static? You know, unfortunately, I think for me, something that was very um, anxiety-inducing as well as eye-opening was the fact that leadership at the Real-Time Crime Center, when we visited it, specifically said, and this is a paraphrase, of course, you know, um, the amount of, of cameras or the amount of surveillance technology is only limited uh, by our funding. So mm -hmm. when I heard that, it was, it was very alarming and, and, you know, let me know that, okay, there's really no ceiling here, right? As far mm -hmm. as what um, technologies and, and the expansion of this crime, uh, crime camera system, um, can, there's no, you know, there's no real obstacles here, right? If it continuously, mm -hmm. if the only obstacle or opposition is money, um, then uh -huh. for me, that definitely set off a lot of... Um, you know, light bulbs of sorts are just like red flags, I guess is a better um, phrase. But to answer your question specifically, you know, there were a couple of hundred cameras originally that, you know, started popping up throughout 2017. And now in addition, residents to be able to tap into the real-time crime center, right? So they pay a couple of different fees. And then from there, 
um, they can have their own footage, you know, regardless if they have cameras on the front of their homes or on the front right. of their businesses, um, linked into the crime, the real time crime center, uh, you know, database of sorts, right? So their footage can be um, mainly put into uh, that, you know, that, that fully uh, more all encompassing surveillance system. So where I think we're up to about 520 plus cameras throughout the city right now um, as a combination of both 400, I think about 402, if I'm not mistaken, um, cameras on the city side of things. And then from the private side of things would make up that difference. So roughly about mm -hmm. 520. That's, you know, you saying that just reminded me of, of something that, that always sticks out to me is the, the many different places that that money can come from. And, you know, I live in Mid-City where, uh, you know, one version of the footprint of Mid-City is part of the Mid-City Security District. So every residence, you know, every singular double pays like $200 a year to go into this thing. And security is defined so narrowly that it can pay for extra police patrolling or for cameras that people put on their property and link into that system. So, um, you know, it's just like another one of these flows of resources into surveillance. Correct. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point there in regards to the uh, various security districts and, you know, security improvement districts throughout the city. Um, when it comes to that funding going towards, you know, those type of uh, those type of resources, more or less, right, um, that, that look to deter criminal activity as well as provide public safety, whether that be additional boots on the ground or, you know, wheels in the area, as well as, you know, that going towards um, cameras, because I've, I've mm -hmm. seen that, right, like that specifically um, where the downtown development district is, mm -hmm. is paying, you know, they're, they're pretty much uh, footing, footing, excuse me, the cost of um, the cameras for those businesses in that area, in that district, to be able to be tapped in to the uh, real-time crime center. And also mm -hmm. seeing just, you know, very quickly where various um, businesses, if you want to be able to sell alcohol, right, um, and they call that an alcohol beverage outlet, an ABO, uh, a part of the proviso when you go in front of the city council is usually requiring you to have your footage from your cameras right. going to the real-time crime center. So it's just continuously expanding upon that surveillance system and that camera system um, in a, a myriad of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm interested to hear about this ordinance 33021 in a second, but uh, one thing I also wanted to ask about is on the website, I was going to ask about the facial recognition stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, is that something that plays into the ordinance at all, or is that? Definitely. Um, okay. We, with the ordinance 33021, um, facial recognition is one of the things that we're looking to ban, or one of the, mm -hmm. the forms of surveillance technology that we're looking to ban out of the four. So there's mm -hmm. four total with this ordinance that we're looking okay. to ban. Facial recognition is one of them. Uh, stingrays, which are, you know, uh, mainly just fake uh, cell phone towers, um, is the second characteristic wow. tracking, um, you know, where you can biometric scanning, uh, your gait, um, being able to say, for instance, um, real-time crime center up until December of last year was using a characteristic tracking software called BriefCam, where, mm -hmm. you know, say, for instance, if you wanted to go to a specific intersection in the city, if you wanted to say, okay, I'm looking for all of the uh, Latinx um, people that are wearing a red shirt, it's going to give mm -hmm. you 
everybody that is wearing a red shirt within that specific intersection at that specific mm -hmm. time. So that's the third. And then the fourth, um, what is the fourth? Um, so facial recognition, um, characteristic tracking, stingrays. Oh, and then the fourth would be predictive policing. And unfortunately, New Orleans has a history with that harmful technology as well, yeah. where um, I believe in 2012, our former mayor, Mitch Landrieu, um, was using Palantir's predictive policing technology for years, unbeknownst mm -hmm. to community as well as city council at that time, um, to be able to, you know, um, hope in that, in that, in that essence, uh, deter criminal activity as well. He was using a predictive policing where, you know, anything from uh, a police stop uh, of a community member on the street, any records that was being taken from that, ballistics reports, uh, social media activity, et cetera, was looking to mainly deter criminal activity by saying if you were in proximity to gun use, um, or were the victim of, you know, a, a crime involving a gun, then from there, you know, it almost gave you some, some weird uh, analytics if, you know, then you would be involved in another uh, crime or um, instance or altercation involving a gun. So it's very, like, harmful um, in uh, technology that ultimately, you know, just doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, and all those things are sound, I mean, the reactions that I have when I'm hearing that, when I'm reading it, is that, you know, are words like dystopian, um, extremely invasive, and extremely racist. I mean, in the ways that it sort of, like, brings categories into being, in the ways that it, like, hyper-polices people, like, based on I don't know, in a lot of ways, stereotype and based on social connections. Um, I wonder how, how, how you came to, to that, that sort of platform of four things to ban and, um, and how the conversation with the city has been going about making that happen. Yeah, I, I think um, a, a lot of this uh, work from a policy standpoint started uh, a couple of years ago, right, where the ACLU and a couple of our colleagues there, and you know, they are a member um, of Ion Surveillance um, mm -hmm. currently, um, mainly just drafted uh, a policy that looked to provide, you know, some some guardrails and, and looked to provide some oversight um, out of the original um, one of the original ordinances that uh, back in 2017 looked at the end of 2017, excuse me, it looked to, you know, be able to do a lot of those dystopian things that you discussed as far as like, if, if I remember correctly, like, you know, um, bars had to be, the doors had to be closed at a specific hour. And, you know, they were looking at one point in time during Landry's administration to put cameras inside of all the bars. You know, we have the most ABO outlets in um, in the country, we have 1,500. So we're looking at a, a completely dystopian uh, yeah. view of New Orleans if that original ordinance had passed. So we're talking about the places that you would make your groceries, that you would pump your gas, the coffee mm -hmm. shops that you would go to. If so alcohol, you're pretty much looking at a 24 seven citywide surveillance system if that ordinance had passed. So, you know, out of that came the work that the ACLU, you know, began doing then um, that initially got adopted where ordinance 33021 is now. So there's a, um, a system put in place called CCOPS, 
um, mm-hmm. which pretty much we adapted uh, pieces of that policy. And then from there came Ordinance 33021, just mainly trying to adapt it to what uh, the things that we wanted to be able to see halted uh, for. Because across the country right now, a, a large item of discussion um, in various uh, you know cities um, across the country. So like, you know, San Francisco has a ban on it. Um, Portland, Maine just passed one about a month and a half ago. Um, Jackson, Mississippi just passed one. They actually unfortunately beat us out. We were looking to be, you know, the first city um, in the South to to have a facial recognition ban, but they have one as well. Um, I believe um, Somerset, Massachusetts, if I'm not mistaken, also has one. So there's several cities that are looking to do that work, but a lot of our work came out of that CCOPS plan. And then the Mm -hmm. second part, uh, as far as like, you know, how our work and and partnership has been um, with city council has definitely been, you know, it it has its moments, right, of, of, um, I guess, you know, bureaucratic conflict. We have been very um, open to hearing about, you know, different amendments or, you know, and and I'll back up very quickly, like, when we originally started this work coming out of spring of 2019, we started doing community forums, right? Where we wanted to be able to touch the people and to be able to specifically hear how they felt about surveillance in their neighborhoods and their communities. So with that being said, you know, as we continue to um, push and organize around Ordinance 33021, we were open to being able to hear directly from community and, you know, engaging uh, city council members in that way to be able to say, okay, we're going to work with you to be able to, you know, facilitate these uh, Zoom meetings with your community to be able to hear for good, bad, or indifferent where your constituents are in regards to surveillance. And, you know, we've done that and, and continuously gone back to the drawing board to see, you know, how malleable we could be about certain parts of that ordinance. Continuously, we've seen where there's been deferral after deferral. So, you know, we yeah. find ourselves, I think, satisfied in the fact that we finally collectively, internally have gotten to a consensus about yeah. what we would like to see within this policy, how we would like to move forward. And then from there, you know, just mainly looking um, to continuously push our council members to do the right thing, um, not only by us, but, you know, by the people that they serve. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, uh, you know, you had mentioned that that October 15th might be a day for the city council vote on uh, passing or not passing Ordinance 33021 as it is. Uh, what should people know about how to advocate for its passing now? So today <laughs> yeah. at 11 a.m., um, you know, we're going to be doing a press conference where we have a letter, an organizational sign-on letter. We've gotten, you know, over uh, 15 different organizations and community-based initiatives in the city that have signed on to that. Um, just pretty much saying that, you know, these these are our demands. This is what we've looked to achieve um, with Ordinance 33021. And, you know, I think ultimately, you know, optimistically, looking at this is not the end, but the beginning mm-hmm. of, you know, our continued and collective anti-surveillance efforts for all New yeah. Orleans, right? So that's kind of, you know, that's coming up. And then, you know, we've got some other tricks up our sleeves uh, for next week as well that I want to, I don't want to get into too quickly, but if you, you know, check out our social media, there'll be, you know, things going around to be able to spread the word on that. Great. Um, and then for folks who want to find y'all on, on, on social media, what's y'all's handle? 
So we are on both Twitter and Instagram as EOS underscore NOLA. And then we're on Facebook. Um, if you simply type in at keep an eye on surveillance, uh, we'll come up that way. That's our three, uh, you know, the three central um, social media networks we're using right now. Um, all right, great. Well, Bernard Bridgewater, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I don't know. Thanks once again for having me.